Here's Pastor Steve Converse to begin today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. We're to hold no grudges against any person who has wronged us, no matter what they have done. And, and I understand that, you know what, that's, that's throwing a big you know, net out there. Because some of you are probably sitting here today saying, well, you don't understand what was done to me. You know, maybe when you were a child, or maybe in this situation, or that situation, you don't understand. You, you have no clue. You have no right to tell me that I should have to forgive this person. Well, I have every right based upon the Word of God. Because that's what God's Word says. I'm not making it up. It says that we should forgive those who wrong us. Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Greetings and welcome to Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Today, we're going to continue with our series, The Force of Forgiveness, and we focus our attention on a few passages giving us illustrations of what this forgiveness looks like and how far it's supposed to go. As we saw just a moment ago, as our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, began our time together, it's pretty extensive. So how do we go about exercising this kind of forgiveness? Well, that's what we'll focus on today. Please join us, our teacher and pastor now, once again with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. Remember, this is they're all there and they're all uh, talking with Jesus probably in this, this home. Jesus has a child on his lap. Peter comes up, and just to kind of put it in in the context here, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? After all this discussion on discipline and how to confront somebody and to restore and reconcile and all this stuff, Peter comes up with this ingenious question. He wants to ask Christ this question because it's on his heart. Maybe it was on the heart of the other ones, but they didn't have the boldness to ask. So he says, Look, Lord, Okay, let's say we go after this guy and we restore him as our brother. Okay, we got the reconciliation, we got everything. But you know what? It happens again. He sins again. Does this forgiveness that you're talking about here, does this have a limit? That's his question, isn't it? I mean, after it happens again and again and again, do you finally say, look, pal, I'm not going to forgive you anymore? That's the question. At what point does our forgiveness run out? That's what Peter wants to know. I've already forgiven him five times. I've already forgiven him four times. Whatever number you want to put in there. Do I have to forgive him again? And so he says, How often, Lord, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? As many as seven times? Now, when Peter asks if it's seven times, he's asking, is there a limit on, on forgiveness? That's what he's saying. And in their culture, in the Old Testament, you can go through in different verses, it points out simply that in the Jewish culture, they were to uh, forgive one another three times, up to three times. But if somebody did something to you again, a fourth time, you didn't have to forgive them after that. And they pull that out of a scripture in the Old Testament. Um, 
and we're, we're not going to get all that today. We'll touch on that next week. But they really wanted to know, Peter wanted to know, where's the limit? Now, look at what he says here. He says, how often will my brother sin, what's it say? Against who? Against me, right? That's what Peter's asking. He's saying, how many times does a person have to sin against me before I just say, that's it, I'm not forgiving you again? See, in our logic, I mean, we have a limit, right? Don't we? I mean, I do. Most of us probably would. If I, you know, did something that offended you, and you came up and said, oh, you know, this offended me, and I said, oh, I'm sorry. And you said, oh, you know, it's okay, I forgive you. And then five minutes later, I did the same thing. And you probably think, this guy must be thick. Okay, look, you just did the same thing. You called me the same name. You did the same thing. It's offensive to me. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, all right, I forgive you. Fifteen minutes later, I do the same thing. To the same person. I mean, how long, Jesus, does this have to go on? How long am I to continue to forgive this person? Because it's a very personal thing. That's what he says against me. He doesn't say against us or against you. He saying, Peter wants to know, where does this run out? How many times, God? And he thinks that saying seven times, which is basically double plus one of, of the, the uh, Judean culture requirement of you have to forgive somebody at least three times, and then Peter's adding one, so he's thinking, okay, seven, double plus one. Man, Jesus is going to say, wow, Peter, that's great. Yeah, on the eighth time, blow him off. But Jesus doesn't say that, does he? Jesus says just the opposite. He says something that just kind of doesn't set well with us. Now, what, what God wants us to see out of this is that forgiveness, first of all, it is a choice of ours to forgive or not to forgive. And we will bear the consequences depending on what we choose. If we choose not to forgive somebody for whatever, I mean, it could be the most horrendous thing or it could be the slightest little thing. Whatever. doesn't matter. He doesn't say that. He doesn't, he doesn't enter into that, well, if they do this, then that's really bad and you don't have to forgive them. That. No, he's talking about forgiveness. And the reason he does that is because when God forgave you, did he forgive you for just the bad stuff? <laughs> or the really bad stuff? Did God take your, your, your soul and pass it through a filter and say, okay, well, this wasn't really that bad. That doesn't have to be forgiven. Well, this is really bad. I'll forgive that. Or I'm not going to forgive that. I'll forgive this little thing. He didn't do that. God granted us forgiveness based on what Christ had done on Calvary. And so... The same way we can't come to people when they do something wrong against us. We can't be selective in our forgiveness. It has to be a blanket thing. And we do it because God commands us to. There's examples of this in the Bible. We see the forgiveness of Jesus 
biblical testimonies of forgiveness in Luke 23:34 when he's hanging on the cross he's basically beaten to a pulp he's there's nothing really left of him he's naked covered with blood crown of thorns smashed into his forehead into his brow hammered nails through his hands and through his feet He's hanging there naked for the whole world to see. And what's he say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's an example for us. And he's forgiving pagans. And yet, within the body of Christ, so many times we find it hard to forgive one another, to even go there. And yet, Christ clearly shows us the example of forgiveness. We also see the forgiveness of Stephen in Acts 7-6. As Stephen was pushed off a ledge and crushed beneath these stones as they stoned him for his stand for Christ, he said in Acts 7-60, he said this, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Sounds awfully similar to Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And those who were standing by watching Stephen as he died, even that of, of the Pharisee, the Jewish leader Saul, was standing by as they executed Stephen, who later became the Apostle Paul. Somehow, that testimony of Stephen's willingness to forgive even his enemies must have touched his heart. See, God's people are to be like Christ. We're to be like Stephen. We're to forgive at once every sin that is committed against us, regardless of who the sinner is, whether he repents or not, I mean, see, a lot of times we make our conditional, our, our, our forgiveness conditional, don't we? Well, they never repented, so I don't have to forgive them, no. As I said earlier, we're commanded to forgive. If there's no reconciliation, there's no reconciliation. We're still commanded to forgive. And there's a practical reason for that. You can't get on with your life if you don't forgive some things. We're to hold no grudges against any person who has wronged us, no matter what they have done. And, and I understand that, you know what? That's, that's throwing a big you know, net out there. Because some of you are probably sitting here today saying, well, you don't understand what was done to me. You know, maybe when you were a child, or maybe in this situation or that situation. You don't understand. You, you have no clue. You have no right to tell me that I should have to forgive this person. Well, I have every right based upon the Word of God. Because that's what God's Word says. I'm not making it up. It says that we should forgive those who wrong us. And the reason we do, turn over to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And we'll begin to prepare our hearts for communion. Psalm 51, verse 4. Actually, begin in verse 1. He says, Have mercy on me, O God. Psalm 51. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. And then he says this. The psalmist says, David, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. He cried out to God for forgiveness against whom he had sinned. Do you understand that when you sin, it doesn't matter how big or how small, it doesn't matter what kind of sin it is, whatever, every sin that you've ever sinned in your whole life was committed against a holy God. The good news is that God has forgiven every sin you've ever committed against him if you've trusted in Christ. That's the other side of it. That's the forgiveness of God. God forgives us. He models forgiveness for us. Once again, God isn't saying, oh, you have to go do this, but I don't have to. I mean, it's as if you walked up into heaven itself and stood before God himself in that holy place and committed every sin that you were ever to commit, right in his face. See, we don't think that way because God's not here physically with us as far as he's here spiritually, but he's not, he doesn't follow us around physically. But he sees everything that goes on. It's as if we're committing that sin right in his presence. So consider this if you have a hard time forgiving. Are you better than God? (laughs) Are you better than God? You think you're better than God. If you can't forgive because God forgives. I mean, we can't even see the full evil of sin. We're not omniscient like God is. God sees everything. And he is holy in every aspect. And yet, he chooses to forgive our sin through Christ. Well, let's look at two different types of forgiveness, and then we'll have our communion time. God forgives, first of all, a Christian in a judicial sense. What do I mean by that? Judicial forgiveness. Basically, judicial forgiveness occurs when you're saved. The moment you place your faith and trust in Christ, God forgives all your sins, past present, and future. That's good to know, isn't it? Doesn't that give you a little bit of security in your relationship with Christ, with God? I mean, if God were to just say, you know what, Steve, I'm going to forgive your sins up to this point. Now, you're you're good with me now, but boy, if you mess up again, you're on your own. We'd all be in hell. There'd be no hope for any of us. But God forgives us judicially, a once-for-all transaction. That's how we're, we're made uh, justified in his sight. Justification. God imputes the righteousness of Christ on us. He puts us, he hides us in Christ's righteousness because we have none of our own. But then there's also a different kind of forgiveness, a relational or a daily kind of forgiveness. Remember, the judicial kind happens once and it covers everything. Past, present, future. The daily kind of forgiveness is a, is a forgiveness that we're instructed to do and that's an ongoing forgiveness. 
It doesn't stop. Whereas the judicial kind of forgiveness is a once-for-all positional act of God, the relational forgiveness is that daily cleansing that we even receive from God on a daily basis, our sanctification. He washes us with the Word. He fills us with the Spirit. Those are the two types of forgiveness. And they're to be expressed among ourselves as well. Not just from God. God forgives us judicially and relationally. But we're to have these same kind of forgivenesses in our own lives. When a believer sins, you are to immediately, the Bible instructs us, to forgive that person in your heart. That's why it says, do it as from your heart. See, it's easy to utter those words, oh, I forgive you, and then to go away still bearing a grudge in your heart. But when you honestly and sincerely forgive someone from the heart, that resembles the judicial act on the part of God. You may not experience all the fullness of forgiveness, relationally speaking, until that person even repents of their sin and the reconciliation process begins and it happens and it comes, those two people are back together and there's no, you know, there's no hindrance to their, their relationship. But the immediate forgiveness we should have for someone is identified in 1 Peter 4.8 where Peter said himself, For love shall cover the multitude of sins. We should love our brother or sister in Christ no matter what they do to us. We should be willing to extend that hand of forgiveness, that hand of love. And then the, the restoration process will begin to take place. And that's what Matthew 18 is teaching us. We always forgive and then by forgiving in our hearts whether that person ever gets right in their own life or not is irrelevant. It's kind of like an internal forgiveness. If they don't want to deal with you, that's their problem. But you need to move on. And later on when they restored themselves and they come to their own senses, then they realize, wow, and then the reconciliation can finally take place. But can you imagine if, if that person goes off and they have their issue and you have your issue and you're holding the grudge and that God speaks to that person and they come back to you and they say, you know, I just want to apologize for what I did five years ago or ten years ago or whatever it is. And the words out of your mouth, you know what, I'll never forgive you for that. I can't believe you didn't come to me sooner. I, you know, we just start with all that. And we just rip the wound wide open again. And it all starts over in the vicious circle. Sometimes we just need to ask God for the grace and the wisdom and the ability to say, okay, this is enough. I'm going to put an end to this right now. You know what? God, give me the forgiveness in my heart that I need toward this person. Let's move on. And that's a supernatural thing. Because you know what? Both men and women can hold on to things for years. Those of you who are married, you know what I'm talking about. Getting a little argument and something comes up. and Well, last month, you know, you said this. And, you know, and you get in this whole thing. I mean, wouldn't it be good just to, you know, hey, the argument's over. You make up. You just forget the whole thing. Just wipe it from your mind. Ask God to do that. He'll do that. He'll allow you to allow each kind of 
section of, of this time that God has given us. Whether it's a minute, an hour, a day, a month, or a year, don't live it in unforgiveness. Because if you are, you're grieving the heart of God and you're ruining your own, your own life and your own testimony before others. Isaiah one eighteen says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. You know, when Christ came to this earth and he died on a cross, I'm so thankful that he didn't die for some of our sins. He didn't die for just a percentage of them. He died for all of them. And First John says as believers that we, when we confess our sins, when we, when we tell God, you know what, God, I blew it in this area or that area or whatever, it says that He is faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to ask you, as you go through this next week and even before our communion time, I want you to search in your own heart. Is there, is there some lingering unforgiveness in your own life, in your own heart? Because if there is, it's grieving to the Lord. It truly is. It's something that hinders your walk with the Lord. It hinders your relationship with the body. And you need to deal with it. And there's no better time than right now. Just go to God and ask God, God, give me a fresh perspective on this. Father, we pray today that you would minister to our hearts and Lord, that you would show us your love and the sacrifice that you gave on our behalf through Christ. But Lord, it's very clear through your word that we are called to forgive one another as you forgave us with no conditions. It's not whether even we feel like forgiving that person. It should be irrelevant. And when we don't do that, Lord, we're in direct violation of your word. We're sinning before you and we need to repent. We need to stop it. We need to move on. Don't bear a grudge. Don't hold that over their head because we know Lord that you don't do that with us and Lord if you weren't willing to forgive us we still we wouldn't even be here today we'd be in hell Father I pray that we would express that same willingness to forgive others when they wrong us as you have with us pray if there's anyone here who's yet to put their faith their trust in Christ Lord we all probably sin every day in a myriad of ways and Father there will come a day of judgment when we stand before a holy God if we stand there without Christ and without his righteousness we will be found in our sin wanting. And the Bible says that we will be cast into eternal hell, a place of torment, a place of utter separation from God and all others. And we don't wish that on anybody. We pray that you would draw them as unbelieving hearts to yourself, that you would move and work. Pray now you prepare our hearts for our communion time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 650-366-9923 or visit our website gracefultruth.org And now to take a look at an event coming up once again our teacher and pastor Steve Converse Thanks Andy I'd like to share some exciting information with the ladies in our listening audience Ladies we have a real blessing for you coming up on Saturday October 6th here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City 
We'll be hosting women's speaker and author Cynthia Heald for our fall women's tea. Cynthia uses her speaking engagements and Bible studies and books to encourage women around the world to deepen their relationship with God. I'm sure you're familiar with her popular Becoming a Woman of Bible Study series, which includes the best-selling Becoming a Woman of Excellence and Becoming a Woman of Freedom. The focus of our women's tea this year here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, on October 6th will be her book, Uncommon Beauty, Seven Qualities of a Beautiful Woman. You know firsthand, ladies, how hectic the world can be today and the demands that are placed upon you. Well, we want to give you the opportunity to break away from your routine for just one Saturday afternoon and come together for some great fellowship and teaching based on God's Word. Why not plan on being here Saturday, October 6th from 1130 to 3 p.m. for a wonderful time of fellowship and teaching from Cynthia on Uncommon Beauty, Seven Qualities of a Beautiful Woman. I'm sure you'll enjoy the time together and walk away with a renewed sense of purpose and commitment to Christ. All the registration information can be found on our church website at gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. There's a registration form available online. You simply download it, fill it out, and mail it to the address given with your registration fee. If you have any questions, you can simply call us here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, 650-366-9923. I'd like to encourage you to register early because we have limited seating. Well, once again, we'd like to thank you for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend. And it would be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Thank you, Steve. And friend, thank you for joining us here today on Graceful Truth. Until next week, God bless.